what's up? This is Evan. And Michael. And this is Dungeon Talk episode 14. 14. We've got some new segments today. We're going to add in an email segment. We're going to add in from our table or fix our game or our game sucks or whatever whatever we're going to call that. Yeah, why don't you send in some ideas for what our topic should be called because we can't think of anything good. <laughs> right. All right. Well, in today's podcast, we're going to talk about how to set a tone or mood in the game. Uh, retconning in D&D, which is... Retcon is what? Uh, retcon says what? <laughs> God damn it, I just looked that up. It's like uh, retroactive continuity. Which means? Basically going back and changing something and assuming that it was always the same. Right. So we'll, that didn't make any sense, but we'll tell you about it later. Um, I think they know. We, know, If right? we have time, we'll talk about crit charts, and we want to also include a D&D Next topic for each podcast from now on, so one of the first ones we'll do is we'll pull out a D&D Next uh, class, which will probably, the first one will probably be the fighter. The fighter, it's the one we have the most experience with. Yeah, everybody's been playing one, or a rogue. We've played lots of rogues. Alright, so for the first topic, we were going to get into how to set a tone or mood into the game, and this is basically the from our table topic. Right. It, it is, this comes about from, from the last game that we played, and right now we're playing in your game. I think we mentioned that on one of the previous podcasts. And something happened kind of in the game that I saw was happening as a player, but I didn't know how to correct it. I, I really didn't know what to do. I mean, basically, this is what happened. We were in a situation where, as characters, we should have been really freaked out. There was some creepy, weird stuff happening. And you even said at one point, your characters have never yeah. experienced anything like this. Like I think it know, was it was the automaton. Yeah, we were fighting. Did you get that it was an automaton? Yes. Okay. So and, we were fighting basically robots, but this wasn't Eberron. Like ooh. our characters had never, like we had no even a fathom of what one of these things would be. And because you even said, I think you said as a DM, you're like, you know, you're and, scared. <laughs> yeah, you know, not that, but you said if you were attacked by a monster right now, at least. You've read stories about monsters. It'd be like if a vampire walked in the room. Okay, that'd be crazy right we would, now, yeah, but we've read about vampires. You and I would go hide in a corner, and we'd be like, what? Oh, my God, what is it's that? A, and at least one of us would be like, I think it's, it's a, a vampire. vampire. There's no such thing as vampires. But what else? Yeah, you know? Yeah, it looks like a vampire. Instead of something that came into the room that you've never even seen or heard of, or you have no concept of right. what it is. So the scene that should have been terrifying to us was not at all scary. And our characters were just like, let's kill it. I mean, it was just like, we went straight into, as I said, it was like we were in puzzle mode. Okay. We have a problem solving mode. We have to defeat this creature. And our games, ever since we've gone to D&D Next and Theater of the Mind and got away from the maps and minis, we've talked several times about how how easier it is to stay immersed and that we don't really have these transitions from role-playing to fighting. But we totally did in that game. We went straight out of role-playing and into fighting. All right, well, from the DM, you guys were supposed to go into this building that was in a, the center of a city. You'd never been to the city. The You talked to at least one person in the city that that was like i don't think anybody's ever been in that building as far as long it was a young girl younger girl but as long as she had been she had been alive she said i don't know if anybody's even ever been in there i don't know what it is 
But you guys had found something that told you that part of your quest or, you know, part of your journey was to go in here. So you dropped in and I don't, yeah, so you were supposed to have this feeling of exploring a place that nobody had been in for a long time. And immediately when you dropped in, you were in this big round room and you did something like you pulled the book on the bookshelf or whatever and a giant metal robot. robot came out and at one point i was like you are really scared but none of that there was it, there really even with i noticed as the dm that there really wasn't an atmosphere there wasn't a mood and i i wanted there to be but, but i didn't know that, how to really that, create one and then as you see there's something i don't know if you guys picked up on it really but something happened in that building a long time ago so you guys weren't supposed to know what happened you know it's not, you weren't supposed to really find out what happened but the building does have a story to tell that you'll find out about and so as you went through the building you found a dead body laying on the ground and it looked like it had been there for years and years. It was a skeleton. It was covered in dust. And then as you went further down, you found two more dead bodies. And I kind of thought that by... Because one thing that you said that you didn't really like about it, or not that you didn't like about it, but one thing that just... That you didn't get from it was a sense of accomplishment because it wasn't like a typical dungeon crawl where you go to a room, you fight something, you go to a room, you fight something, you find a little bit of treasure, you step on a booby trap, and then you get to the end and there's a boss and you kill them and then you're done. Right. At the end of the day, it didn't follow what, what you would think of as a traditional dungeon structure. Not that it should have to, but it, it was not my expectations. And I think at the end, there was no closure for me. And, and at the end of the day, we end up having to leave I think we spent two or three days inside that building because we kept we got to like a puzzle element and we kept trying these different things, trying to solve. A, not even a, We didn't even have the question. We were trying to find the right questions to ask. So we kept waiting for these certain uh, events to occur. Like we thought, well, maybe in the morning this will happen. Maybe at night this will happen. Maybe the full moon. So we just kind of kept letting days pass and nothing ever really happened. So I was trying. we just kind of ended up leaving like, I guess we're done. Well, while you were moving around, I I mean, I kept, I know that I tried to reiterate the fact that there was, it was very dark. I, tr I tried to um, explain the typical things that just a director in a movie puts in for a scene that is spooky. It's like, what's my motivation? You're terrified. Like that. So the things that I was telling you at the table was like, it's very dark. It's dimly lit. As you're moving around, you hear the sounds of each other breathing. You hear like the big echoey footsteps. Right. Really, really well, cliche. And I, well, like, I want to jump in here just quickly because one of the things I wanted to say earlier, I got, I kind of got distracted, is usually when we have a topic to cover in these segments, it's because we have what I think at least is some sort of insight or experience that we can help potential listeners that are facing the same problem or, or prevent them. And I told you when we already start, I don't have an answer for this one. This is just us trying to talk through what happened and maybe figure out what we could do differently. 
I don't think you did. Well, anything. why the hell did you bring it up? <laughs> I don't think you did anything wrong as the DM. I just I can't. It was like a psychological need to have a sense of accomplishment. We were so focused on because it was it was a cool environment. There were puzzles. You you did some things mechanically uh, that that I thought helped, and I think you could have done more of that. And well, tell me what I did. Tell me what I did good, Michael. Okay. Well, well, first of all, there was a ghost in this first room, or some sort of apparition. There's like a shadow, a living shadow, which I think was a ghost at some point. And what I really liked is that you had us like a, like one of us noticed it first. Not everybody saw it, so there was some of that whole. You know, you're crazy. You didn't see it, so which would have helped that that creepy vibe. And what I what I think you did well is it wasn't like oh, there's a ghost and we fought it because that would not have been creepy at all. But it was hey, I think I saw something. We look, we don't see anything. You're crazy. And then like 20 minutes later, in real time, a different character rolled like no, I think I saw something. But again, it wasn't like the ghost came out and we attacked it. it, it you kind of kept well, that. What going. was really funny was that I was only going off of dice rolls, and it just worked out that. The first time you guys rolled bad and Rob rolled well. So Rob was like, I think I saw something. And then the next time they rolled bad and you rolled well. And you were like, I'm pretty, I think I saw something. Right. And then later, I don't think Nico ever saw it. No. But then when they, when he got to, when you guys were going down into the bottom room, Nico was the first one through the steps. And when he got into the room, there was this. It thing, was right there. And he was like, it's here. And that was one of the, one that's of the one, well, that's one of the things is, that's a really good point because Nico got to the bottom of the steps and he saw this, what's it called? Appari- apparition? Apparition goes. Apparition goes. Something, whatever. Something that looked like it was there but kind of wasn't there. And his reaction, and Nico's a good role player. Yeah. His first reaction was throw a dagger at it. Yeah. His reaction <laughs> wasn't like, oh my God, what's it going? No, right. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't like, something's down here it, yeah he just he walked into a room and he saw something and he was like i throw my dagger at it yeah so that was a really good indicator that for some reason this there you there was a definite you know feeling that i wanted to get out of that and we and were not you guys but, were almost to the end but of i do want to say that that was still my favorite moment because we went into like a 10-minute Ghostbusters tangent. Because <laughs> well, it basically it was like a little library down there. There's all these yeah. books and scrolls. And it was just like Ghostbusters. There's, a, there's an apparition. And and I, I kind of made this sort of pun. That was your plan. Dagger? Yeah. <laughs> instead of getter. I tried really hard to kind of say it. Dagger? That was your plan. That man. was your plan. Dagger. And yeah. then it worked because he rolled like a natural 20 and then like one shot critted the ghost and killed it or made it leave or whatever happened there. So it was really, it was not, still was not within the, the, the tonal that that you were going for, but it was still very funny and we had a lot of fun with it. Side note, I don't do a lot of prep before. <laughs> all my prep is story. Story prep, character prep, and stuff like that. And so um, when, I'm, when it comes to like the uh, NPCs and the monsters, I just go, okay, they're going to fight this, this, and this. And then now that I have this, iPad with the um, the monster manual, area. the D and D next bestiary. Yeah, I just go to that monster, <clears throat> go to that thing, and then there it is. There it is. I didn't really have a concept though of how you were to fight a ghost and whether or not I was. I mean, how do you interact with weapons in D and D 
normally with a ghost as you would with it, it depends I, I i haven't looked at the the dnd next version of ghost yet i know in, in editions past it has gone through a couple different versions and in some normal weapons don't hurt it at all so you have to have a magical weapon or you have to have a, like a magical effect like force always affects them i think so i think in dnd in fourth edition they change it to as like half damage like normal weapons would only do half damage to a ghost force weapons or force magic would still do do regular if it was like a religious a divine uh, power it would do like extra damage so i would have to look at the the monster manual the bestiary to, to know for sure but i mean it's it's basically still your version of D D. so it's whatever works for you well, congratulations you killed a ghost we killed a ghost yay but uh, as far as going back to the whole mood well i want one thing i want to talk about though again with the mechanics there's a couple things that, that I would suggest that we could do as well is sometimes have us roll for no reason at all. But don't tell us that. Just say like, hey, roll a d20. What'd you get? Okay. Because that's a mechanic. What's that mean? Right. And me- mechanically, we're going to be like, why did we roll that? Mm-hmm. And then you say, no, don't worry about it. Just, you know, okay. And then, like, then, and then like, I hey, scribble something and, yeah. and I laugh. Or you just take a little note and go, oh, maybe I can make a check mark. <laughs> like a very <laughs> clear mind... Okay, he just checked something. <laughs> or or I'll do a big, like, I'm crossing your name off a list. Like a, <laughs> and then I go like this. So, some, so, excuse me, some sort of mechanical way to create the tension that was not coming across strictly role-playing. I know there's other games. I've never, never played Call of Cthulhu, but I've read about it and other people have talked about it. And there's actually a mechanic, I think, for Insanity... Where you where certain things happen, like you fight an automaton that you know should freak you out, and there's a mechanical point where okay, you're this much closer to being crazy, and so maybe a, a mechanic you could have just on the fly made to to help us role play. I don't again, I I don't have the answer. I'm just trying to think about what we could do because I've experienced the same problem well, where I'm trying to set is, a tone and it's not working. I don't think it necessarily is in our game too much because. I don't have experience with other D&D groups, but I would just have to think that our group is probably pretty pretty good, pretty fun in terms of role-playing and, um, like, Rob gets into his characters and you get into your characters. And Nico playing Grexel is hilarious. Yes. Um, I don't know what I could say about, about me, but... I think that there's probably a tendency to where everybody wants to play the classic hero, the fearless classic hero. And so there's probably already kind of a, there can be a mood killer. If you don't, if you're, if you're not, if you're afraid to kind of, uh, (laughs) if you're afraid to kind of, you know, give up a little bit of insecurity with your character and play him a little bit frightened or play him a little bit scared instead of, you know, playing him as the stand aside, I'll take care of this, you know. So I don't think that we necessarily have too much of that because I think that people play their characters really well. But I didn't see it in the in that game. Like I didn't see people really giving any kind of mood or any kind of um, creepiness or maybe a little bit of fright or a little bit of tense or anything. I didn't see any role play of that across the table. Now, 
I absolutely not saying that there wasn't a mood because of you guys. You know, it's always it's always you know both well, both sides. It's given and, give and taken. I I told you there was a part in the game. This isn't just like after the fact. Like in the moment, I had sort of an epiphany. I'm like, we are totally not in the mood. Well, and, and I back, still didn't know how to fix it because part of it, and we talked a little bit before we started the podcast. And I don't know if frustration is the right word because I think that has negative connotations. But there's maybe an anxiety. I feel like I think that was our second game or third game of yours. Was it second? Third. Third. And I don't feel like we've accomplished a whole lot yet. And, and again, we're trying to do, you're trying to do an open sandbox game where it's not your typical, you know, level one mini boss, level two mini boss, level three big boss. Hey, we got our treasure. Let's go home. So I kind of feel like I've got, I keep getting more questions and no answers. So I think part of it is I was just trying, I wanted, a, I like wanted I to said, have a win. How do you like the taste of your own medicine? <laughs> yeah, because that's exactly what you said to that me. That is exactly how I feel. you is pretty much what you said. That's exactly how I feel in your games, which it is what it is. It's hard. as a You as a DM, you have a story, and that story may be big, and it may have a lot of parts, and you can only tell so much of it in four hours. We Our game sessions usually are about, Three to four hours. And when you add in all the other stuff that we do, food, bathroom breaks, it's probably three hours at best. And at the end game. of every night, the DM, who, whether it's you or me, the DM always goes, I really wanted to get to this. Right. So you can only tell so much of it in three or four hours. And we always leave feeling like we didn't do that much. Like we didn't get to this. So I don't know if that's just something that we just kind of need to accept but there is there is definitely that like i want to feel like i accomplished something every night like yes. i want to feel like i did something i want to feel a little bit of progression and i really thought see the big the big thing that stumps me is that i really thought that that night would be the night where you guys felt a little bit of accomplishment because you're the three of you have realized that you have something in common and, you're, and you kind of think, like, could we be family or could we be brothers? So your main goal, like your quest or you, the thing that is that you the common goal that you guys have is to kind of figure out your past or where you came from. And you've been searching for this guy. You've been searching for your dad. Um, his name's Thaddeus. And when you found the town you found the lens the lens led you to the town that led you to the dome and then when you got to the bottom you found a room where some children had been born there was some journals kept about the children and they described the children like you guys so basically we're like a scientific experiment we're like twins except there's four of us where they have done something to create like an uber child, and then the journals told us that, that there was actually more than one, which I think, if I remember correctly, was they didn't expect that. Like, they expected one child and ended up getting four. That, that is what the journal said. And then said. Each, each of the four children were exhibiting certain traits, uh, like advanced. One of us was, like, never got sick. One of us was, you know, uh, verbally and mentally a, a faster. One was more athletic and nimble. And uh, the other one was something else. I can't remember right now. So we found out that we, we think that we might be these children. So you made the connection, like, could this be us? Right. Could we be these children and then in these journals? And there's also four. 
But there's three players. But there's three of you. So we think maybe so there's then another you, brother that we have to go find. So then you thought, okay, so I really felt like you guys would get some kind of sense of accomplishment out of this game. Like, okay, we're on to a... Like, for let's say you're 18, 19 years old. For 18 years, you've had nothing but questions and no answers. You've been looking for a path, but you've never found it. Now you've found a path. Now you're like... I have something to go on. I have, but I guess you, for some reason you don't have that feeling. Do you have, do you have any idea like why you don't have any kind of feeling of that? Because I want a good game. I want to give a good game. And so even if I think my story is the greatest one in the world, if it doesn't come across to you, then it doesn't matter. Well, so I I well, want to be able to give you those feelings. I, I guess the the thing that would have helped just in a small way, and this probably could have been very simple, uh, it would probably be a really easy fix. The first game that we played, actually I guess it was the second one, where we found the lenses and we were able to put them together, and, and you kind of told us, okay, you're pretty sure that this image that you see is this town over here that you've never been to. So at that point, we had the next step. Okay, we, we, we don't know what we're going to find there, but we're pretty sure we need to go to that town and we'll see what happens. Once we got done with this building, we didn't have a next step other than, okay, there's a chance there's another brother, but we have no idea. I mean, is it this city? So, like, there wasn't any clear, like, maybe there could have been a name in one of the books, like Professor, you know, Snape or something. Okay, we need to find this guy. This is the, the guy... At least we had a name. Like, we have nothing else to go on. We're basically in the same city. The dome building has been cleared as far as we know. And now we have exactly no no idea what to do next. I mean, we okay. basically have the whole world to find a brother that might be a half-elf. You're right. And I guess you are where I wanted you to be. So do you think that that's not a good thing? Because basically, with my other game... I, when you, when you got to the next, when you finished one segment or one chapter, then at the end of that segment, I gave you the clue or the path for the next segment. Right. And your first thing was very, was very linear, linear. And And this, I wanted you to come out and I wanted you guys to like, go back to your room and kind of have a discussion like, okay, what did we learn? What did we find out? And what do we do next? And I think that's going to happen. I, I guess from a technical aspect, what I would suggest is your first game being very linear, which again, I still had a lot of fun in your first game. I'm having a lot of fun in your second game. But for me, a sandbox game isn't necessarily you can do anything. That That's the illusion you're trying to present. But more, you have multiple options. So rather than saying, okay, for example, Professor Snape. Okay, we now we know we have to find Professor Snape and we're going to go in this direction, maybe we have four options. Well, we can either look for this guy or this guy, or we can go to this town, or we can go here. And we get to choose which of the four paths we could take to get hopefully get us closer to the, the solution. So rather than having I guess no direction, we should have multiple options. I that just we get thought to that I, I thought that those options would be just apparent to you guys without me feeding them to you. Apparently I'm stupid because I have That's... no idea what we're supposed to do next. I, the options that I had in my head when you got out of there was either a lot of it would be kind of like 
talking to people and trying to do some investigation in the town, you could you would try to find out more about the building. You might try to find out about these. Does anybody know of these children that were born? Does anybody know of like these? You know, did these right. children that went missing? If we are does the anybody, children, we're all the, the same age. Does anybody know where an elf is? Because one of the the missing, Brother. the one that doesn't make sense, showed that it looked kind of like an elf. So does anybody? Are there elves around here? Like okay. I, I thought that those that those things were there, but if I mean maybe I maybe they should be more apparent. Well, this is the, this is a thing actually. When you say that, I think part of my confusion, frustration, anxiety with now is where we ended. If that makes any sense, because. I think it's just like a natural thing that happens when you're playing D&D, and you talked about this before. You kind of start looking at your phone. You're like, okay, we got half an hour left. You know, let's, let's kind of get things ready to wrap up. Let's make sure we get to a, a place where we feel in a sense of accomplishment. Because you saying that, I actually do think, okay, those are some actual legitimate questions that we should have come up with. But we ended like almost as soon as we got out of the building. So before we even had a chance to decompress or debrief about what we found, we we left so i think if we had had like another half hour because you know embarrassment my job as an investigator you know not a private investigator not a cop but i work for a company where my job is to investigate things and i I take my i I think i'm good at it and those are very simple questions okay we're all 18 years old there's got to be someone in this town who's alive 18 years ago let's go ask them some questions let's talk let's find old people let's find old people they might remember they're you know they're old that we'll tell them we're their kids they'll tell us anything um Be- yeah because i one of the first things you said at the end of that game um when there was like one or two minutes where you guys were talking about what are we going to do next what should we do from here and you said well i guess we got to go to one of these other cities and look for An this person and and in my head, when you said that, I went, I did like a, blah, 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 like, what? Yeah. Like, why? That is not a logical step A to B. Yeah, I was, I was going in my head like, wait a minute. Why did you leap from where you are right now to I have to travel to another city? Yeah. The, like, the possibilities for questions and investigation in this city is limitless. Well, I can why t- are you I, leaping I can tell there? you exactly why. And it's a D&D role-playing mentality that I have. I don't know if everyone has. But when we first got to that town, I had assumed that that building would be the end game. That we would have to do all this stuff to figure out how to get inside there. But we got inside there first. So my thought was, well, we're done with this town. <laughs> we, we've, so, we've accomplished the thing that we came here for, so there must not be anything left. Um, because in, really, and even the way the describe, like when we first walk into town, that's one of the first things we see that building was really right in front of us. You know, it wasn't even like it was kind of hidden. It wasn't like it was secured and we had to bribe people to get next to it. You're like, it's in the middle of town. You can walk right up to it if you want to. So it was just sort of like an on a platter thing that once it was accomplished, I was like, all right, well, we're done. Time to move on. And I just think that was my mentality that, okay, what's done, we must move on. I wasn't even thinking that there was anything else to do in the town. So now I'm going to try and push the blame to your side of okay. the table. I do will you think, fully accept it. Do you think your expectations ha- may have gotten the way? Yeah. Absolutely. That was easy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is that what your wife does? So, so we. <laughs> this is your fault. We, I know. We have solved the problem. The problem that I said we couldn't solve, we can't. It's if you want to set a tune, a tone in your game, just do it. And if it doesn't work, it's your player's fault. <laughs> That's right. You're scared. If they don't act scared, uh, fuck them. Well, I don't know. Like. I was really disappointed at the end of that because I didn't feel like there was the mood. Well, okay, going real quick before we go to our next topic, going back to the kind of the whole mood feel, when you were in that building, what can you, okay, I have a visual and a feeling of that building in me. I have a visual and a atmosphere and a feeling of that building uh, in my head, can you describe what it was, what it's like in your head? Well, I remember how you described it as far as like the physical, you know, it was a round room. There were six doors. There were the pressure plates. There was some odd, it seemed like it was like an abandoned house. Like what actually popped in my head was Skyfall. Have you seen Skyfall? I actually Maybe. just, I watched it last night or the night before okay spoiler alert for anyone listening skyfall the new james bond movie at the end they They, go back to his home which has been abandoned for years and there's like all this furniture that's covered in mm -hmm. you know drape cloths and dusty and that's that's what i kept seeing because you said there's this old furniture and so i had i had the, the the feeling that we were in a very old house even though it was a domed building i kind of saw it as like a castle or a house that has just been abandoned for a very long time that's correct. Okay. <laughs> well, not, then, that, yes. not that that's correct, but I mean, if what you describe, if, you know, if you're going to compare it to that old, what was that old building in Skyfall? Because it was where James Bond grew up. Yeah, it was his home. Was it like an orphanage or was it no, like... No, it was an actual... His, his parents were there? Yeah, I took it to be that his parents died. Who was that guy? He was the groundskeeper. He was the oh, Hagrid okay. of their uh, land. Um. That's the third Harry Potter reference I've made tonight. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're going to compare it to that, I mean, that's a good comparison. Um, not that it's a house or not that it's, you know, anything else right. in, in the story, but I don't know. So, I mean, like mentally, or I should say in intellectually, I got what you were trying to do. It was mm. a creepy place, but for whatever reason... I, my mind would not let me. Is there anything I could have it. done to snap you out? Okay, this is honestly what I think. I think that I gave you guys a really big puzzle that you guys were trying to figure out. And the, it all had to do with that top room and opening the doors, finding things, then finding the table, then taking the table to the center of the room, then you found a key. We, we were so slowly, focused on the puzzle. I slowly fed you these little, you kept doing things that would advance this little puzzle, but then it got to a point where you couldn't do any, the puzzle stopped. Right. Which, again, not typical in a story or not typical in D&D, &D. you know, usually you find a puzzle and then you have to complete the puzzle to move on. Right. And this, this was, was not, it was like a peripheral puzzle that we still didn't solve right but it does mean something it does have something to do with the story and with right. the building but you just didn't have all the elements at that point all right well let's go to our new uh segment which is emails yay <laughs> 
message for you, sir. What was that sound? <laughs> that's our new that's our new segment intro. Oh, that's sound. awesome. All yeah. right. So anyway, so we've mentioned this several times before, but we do have an email set up specifically for questions about uh, our podcast. It's podcast at dndacademy.com. Uh, we have we had a couple questions that have come through, and we want to start highlighting every podcast. We'd like to cover one. Um, so this comes to us from Kevin uh, from South Carolina. I'm not going to give last names or anything like that. Real uh, quick, what was you wanted to give a shout out to somebody else? Yes. We, we kind of did it our last podcast, but I couldn't remember his Twitter handle or his name. I didn't want to screw it up. It's Ryan Phillip Lamb on Twitter. He's Van, V-A-N-R-P-L, which I guess is for Ryan Phillip Lamb. Um, put a couple comments on the website, a couple Twitter conversations. So really appreciate um, him. He The last, last segment, we actually covered one of his topics, but we didn't do the segment. So thank you very much, Ryan. Appreciate the shout out also on thank Twitter. Thank you, Ryan. Um, and please keep the, keep them coming. So again, this will be the new segment every podcast. It's always um, good when we get contact from a real human being. <laughs> yes. It was said many times before, and I beat it to, to ground. We do this for fun. It's a vanity project. But when people respond positively, it makes it so much easier to dedicate time. And it makes us, it gives us a sense of accomplishment. Um, also, I mean, just from a from a strictly, I don't even know how to say this, like on iTunes, the more reviews we get, the further it pushes us up the list, which is the more likely that you're going to find us if you just randomly search for D&D or RPG or podcast. So the more comments we get, the more um, uh, reviews we get on iTunes, that kind of thing, it actually helped other people find us. So it, that's one of the biggest reasons why we keep asking for you guys to do this. But anyway, so Kevin had, had a couple questions. So the one we're going to start with today is basically... <laughs> Um, a lot of gaming groups, and this is something so, that I, yeah. I've experienced this a lot. There's like food rituals, and he just basically asked, like, what are what were our or what are our food rituals or anything in particular we do each game. Create our first email segment, and he's asking about something hey. we've never talked about. <laughs> he sent an email. That's all I care about. All right, thank you, Kevin. So anyway, well, at, during our games are always at. We start anytime between like six and seven. Usually around six thirty is when we start. Yep. And Rob is like just got out of class. He's going to paramedic school. He just got out of class not too long ago. You're coming home from work. Nico's getting off work. I don't work. You're kind of a loud. <laughs> I'm a bum. You're a layabout. And so everybody, it's like dinner time for everybody. Right. So our two big things usually it's Chinese food. Or usually it's it's pizza. Those are just the two easy things that we do, uh, at least for the the actual play podcast. We usually eat first. And most game groups do this. Like you get down, people are talking about work. Rob talks about this guy who died yesterday because he always has a story about somebody who died. Oh, there was shit everywhere. everywhere. Was crazy blood. This guy's eyeball popped out. So he's <laughs> always got some crazy story about something that happened at work. Um, or we're talking about, you know, my work, whatever you talked about. Next time Rob is uh, on a podcast, he's going to tell the bedpan story. But, no, uh, once was enough for me. <laughs> but the one thing I want to notice, or one thing I want to notice, one thing I want to throw out there is, as you guys will learn, the more you, you listen to me talk, I am certifiably crazy. And I have these little, I don't know what you would call them, um, idiosyncrasies, I guess. L8. L8s. There's this, it's a soft drink. It's only made in Kentucky. It's Nobody made, in the country knows what LA it no, is. Kevin might. He's from South here. Carolina. He's in the South. Anyway, there's it's this, good. There's this little company. They're Winchester, Kentucky. 
one factory, and they create this. They so- make rifles and soda. <laughs> it's called L, like A L and dynamite eight, the number, and then one L eight ones. If you watch Justified, actually, it's been mentioned on that show a couple of times as well. Is that a good show? I love Justified. It's okay. fantastic. I've heard it's good. Um, there's very quick side note that one of the podcasts I listen to now is called Nerdist. And there's an episode with Timothy Oliphant, who plays Ryan Givens, who's the Aurelian Givens. It's the best one of those I've listened to yet, Slayers. Anyway. On, a, on a, another quick side note, <laughs> this I, is wonder the third what, tangent. I wonder what our record for side notes is before we've gone back to the... Like, if we've started on the main topic, I wonder how many time, how what our record is for jumping through other topics before we've gone. Okay, well, bring it going yeah. back to... The, and going back to the retro fun. Okay. So the L8 ones are, they're like a sweet ginger ale is the way. They're, they're ginger ale-ish, but they're much sweeter. I like them a lot, but I only like them very specific way. The one, they have to be in the bottle. The ones in the can suck. And two, they have to be in the refrigerator for at least a full 24 hours before I want them. And then in addition, I have to put them in the freezer for 20 minutes. I mean, exactly 20 minutes. Because if they actually freeze, you, they're done. And if they're not on the edge of freezing, they're not as good. So if you ever have the chance, they actually you can buy them off the internet. They're not they're not sponsoring us. We get no money from this, but you can buy them off the internet. It's like yep. ten dollars shipping, so it's gonna cost you like twenty bucks for a with six a free pack. Box of nine millimeters. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is South East Kentucky. It's but Kentucky. anyway, L eight ones cold, but in the freezer for twenty minutes. That is my gaming drink of choice. I always drink them when we're playing D anD. d My gaming drink of choice is that I don't. For some reason, I don't like to bring food or eat food at your house. I don't know. I don't know why. I just like to have eating out of the way. Right. I don't know why. It's just this mentality. Like I like to have it out of the way you, when I get you there. Are you bulimic? You don't want us to see you eat. You haven't seen the throw up in your front yard. <laughs> no. I, I know. I get out of my truck. Little, yeah. Throw up. Come inside. Shake your kids' hands. Nice. All right. Um, so anyway, so but okay. no, there's a Starbucks on the way to your house, and I just stop there and get a large coffee. I have to have something to drink during the game. Yeah. Well, and caffeine especially. I mean, I think most – because, again, this is after work. We play till about yeah. 10, 10.30. We're probably getting a little tired. So caffeine's a good thing. We don't. If I bring beer, that'll keep – it'll keep me awake. But I've lately I've just been getting Starbucks and bringing that. Yeah. So that was probably too much of a conversation about the food for the game. <laughs> on a side note. On a, on a third note. But, again, I want to thank Kevin for the email. So for you guys, if you, you have a question you'd like for us to answer – Anything about the game, about us, uh, you know, metagame stuff, how we design characters, how we design games, how we roll our stats, like how we decide, whatever. Send us an email, mm-hmm. podcast at dndacademy.com. Michael's credit card numbers, if that's the question <laughs> if, that if you that's have. The question, then um, you just but I, I do want to do like a, a little, I don't know, contest, I guess, that once, oh, we, yeah. once we hit a certain number of submissions, Mm-hmm. Then I will give away some D and D merchandise, D and D Academy merchandise. We do have our cafe press thing set up, so I'll, I'll get you a shirt, a mug, a, you know, some sort of little trinket. With you the, could even let them, you know, pick. Let them pick. But you're going to pick a random person out of the out of the people who submit questions. 10. So I'm going to say 20, since we already got a couple. So 20 individual people. So Kevin's already in. Kevin's won. So 20, 19 more people need to send us emails with questions. They have to be real questions. And we do have a, another email or two already. Yeah, well, most of those are from people we already know, but still. Yeah. Um, but So we get a total of 20 people that email us at podcast uh, at com. I'll pick one person at random from that list, and I'll send you some D&D Academy swag. Uh, is there anything else you want to hit on that topic before we move on? Um.
Old Milwaukee is a better beer than you think. I don't think anything. I don't drink at all. I think that'll wrap I'm it up. I'm a teetotaler. Um, and we are going to Gen Con. That's just sort of a random thing. We've never been, Bush Light. We've never been to Gen Con before. None of us. At least I haven't. You haven't. I don't think Nico has either. But all three of us are going to Gen Con. I will be wearing a D&D Academy shirt while we're there. Mm-hmm. If you find me and say hello, I might have some D&D Academy swag for you there too. I said might. <laughs> All right. I won't. You won't. <laughs> Don't come up to me. <laughs> Ask me for free shit. Exactly. I will be the fat one with hair. Nico will be the heavy one without hair. And Evan's the tall, skinny one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Hair. We'll take some free stuff. We'll hand out some free stuff there. Okay. All right, so let's get to retconning because that's the... Oh, I thought we were going to do D&D next. Okay. Well, I want to do retconning quickly just because that was my second favorite thing that happened in your game last week. So. Okay. I think retconning is something that most D&D players or, or roleplay players are familiar with because it happens all the time. The character dies or you start with a character and it's just not what you wanted, so you switch, that kind of thing. So what had happened, just quickly, is that we switched to Evan's game while Nico was out of town because he couldn't play in our what we call our main game, or regular game that I'm running. But we're having a lot of fun. He came back, so we decided to keep playing that game for a couple more sessions before we switched back to our main game at the the Made Men campaign for the actual podcast or actual play podcast. So he didn't have a character yet. But the story that you were creating where we're related wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense for him to come in out of the blue. So what we made the decision is just to say he was there the whole time. Mm, that, so so we retconned think, that Flynn... Nico's that was character. just the way I was going to do it. It was It just made sense to me. Like, kind of going back to that thing about common goal i wanted nico to be part of the same common goal that you guys were already shared so he would have the same journey right he'd be part of the group and so it was just in my head like i'm just going to pretend he was there the whole time so i wrote an email the four or five paragraphs i gave a quick recap of everything that had happened in the previous two games and i just wrote them as if he was there the whole time. Was there the whole time, right. and I think that makes a lot of sense. I've done the same thing. Uh, I one of the games I ran for my old group, uh, which Brad, who's was supposed to be here tonight to be in this podcast with us, he couldn't make it. Uh, he's hopefully going to try to join in on the next one. He was part of that group, and I started them all as young kids in like the same small village, and it's, it's the very typical, you know, archetype of the hero's journey. They're all young kids. Something happens, and they have to go into the world. And same thing happened. Like two, three games in, another player joined. So I was like, "Okay, you, your kid was there the whole time. You're just part of their game group." And you know, I wouldn't have done it if the game had been going on for a year at that point. They're all now fifth level, but they were all still first level because my games run slow and they're first level for a long time. But I think it makes the most sense in that in that case. And that's not to say you couldn't have added him in. You couldn't have found a way to, to write it. But it was just the easiest. And I, there was the upside compared to the downside was huge. I could have, but I honestly didn't. the The way that we've added people in in the past, I really didn't care for. Which is usually that person. Uh, first of all, they create their own character, they create their own class, their own background. Um, they they are their own character. They come to the table with a pre made character that you know that. <clears throat> that they want to play. And then you, the DM decides on how they're going to integrate into the story. So usually what we've done is that you set up the first scene in that game 
where the new sometime within the first 20 or 30 minutes of playing the original characters meet the new character and then there's usually this time where you want us to have like an interaction Mm -hmm. you kind of want there to be this like organic meeting and interaction and interaction and maybe we develop a rapport uh you know and I have never felt that like the time spent on doing that was worth the reward that what we got out right. of it. I like mean, it would be it, like if you're making a movie and you've written a script and you've hired all the actors and then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, Brad Pitt's available. Come in, Brad. What what do you want to play in our movie? You you get to mm-hmm. create your own character and then he just jumps in and you're like he doesn't fit. We said that we weren't gonna give real names of people in our oh, group. Sorry, 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 Brad. Uh, Mr. Cooper, who is also in our group. No. Um, but yeah, I'm mean, exactly. You've, you've got a story that you're trying to tell. And that's not, I mean, the games evolve. And there's entirely possible. Because here's the thing that, that I would say about your game. Because I've run hundreds of games. And a lot of, my, a lot of times they're, they're very similar to yours in that there's, there's a, a connection. Is what happens when one of us dies? Because it's going to happen eventually. So when one of the PCs die... Are we just going to stop that game because now one of the brothers is lost? Or are you going to let us bring in another character then? And then you're going to have to have that, oh, wait, there was five brothers. Yeah, there's a the journal that was felt. I mean, at some point you're going to have to. But that early into your game, I think it was the right choice. And I Maybe this it. could be a good thing because there's a missing brother. Could be. So maybe I die and then I come back as the missing brother. Maybe in every story you incorporate that there's a missing brother <laughs> in every game that you <laughs> Every play. game. Now remember, there's a missing brother, and then when one person dies, hey, hey, it's playing still too. But <laughs> but if two PCs die, then you're done. But my favorite, th- one of my favorite moments that happened is just again being joking and and the whole retcon is when Nico showed up and we started playing. I'm like, where have you been? Yeah. We've had all these fights and you've not helped at all. And I was like, all mad and pissy. And then we get into the first fight, and he doesn't do anything. Like, what in was character, he doing in the first he fight? He was sneaking. He's, he's playing the rogue. Yeah. So he snuck into the room behind the next automaton. Oh, and then he kept trying to jump on it. And, and he, he kept missed. Falling off. Yeah, so he accomplished nothing. So it really was like he was there the whole time and not helping. And it just was like one of those sort of metagame moments that was just so funny to me because I made that joke just as a throwaway line. And then in the first fight that he was in, he still didn't really accomplish or do anything. And I was like, again, you didn't do anything. I There have been some um, really funny moments that that I walk away from the game and I'm just like, man, that was a funny, funny scene. Like if that was in a movie, I would have been laughing at that movie out loud. One was when you guys got attacked and you were fighting all these bandits and you were killing all of them and Rob had a dog on top of him that he couldn't get off of him and he couldn't kill it and he was wrestling around on the ground with his dog and then the other one was when I got squished by a door because that was pretty funny that was funny I'm glad I did that (laughs) yeah you know because a lot of times I don't know you know like do I if I punish if I this seems like a punishment for his action you know, and if I do, if I give him a punishment, does he take it as a punishment or does he accept it as part of the game and it's fine? You know, right. So I'm glad I did that because I thought I thought it was funny. It was funny. And the uh, yeah. And when Nico was sneaking around, he got behind the automaton and then he kept trying to jump on its back. 
and every roll he failed. Yeah. And so he, you guys were fighting, and then you'd see Nico like jump Jumping. and then fall on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and so there, there's been some really funny, like organic moments yeah. that have happened. That in was the your game. plan, dagger. Yeah, dagger, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. So we'll move on to our last, uh, our last section for this podcast, which is what we're going to call next news. So every, next because we're in the 1940s because today news would be click there's a 70 year delay on our posts on our posts so we were going to take a different class so we want to talk a little bit about the fighter mostly just because we were very unprepared for this topic we kind of threw it together at the last second and we've both played fighters or are playing fighters in D&D next so we kind of feel like we could talk well, about that. Well, not me because, um, excuse me. Well, Zane is a fighter. I thought he was a rogue. Oh, that's right. He is a rogue. Mm-hmm. Never mind. I'm playing a fighter in your game. Well, it's still, yeah, it's fine because I think people, we've had the most fighters. So so I've seen how fighters, how fighters play work. at the game. And there's been a couple changes, and, and I've already read that there's going to be more changes uh, with the next iteration of the D&D Next playtest that will come out. But the goal of D&D Next when it first started coming out and playtesting Excuse me, Mike Morales was saying that the the fighter should be the ultimate fighter, not like the MMA. But he should be able to fight unlike any other of the classes. Right, he should be above and beyond, better than the other ones. And and this is going to be another tangent, but and I, we've talked about this many times before. I get frustrated when people talk about class balance because that seems to be where a lot of the feedback is coming, and they keep making these tweaks to the characters because people are like, well, the fighter does more damage. Yes, that's exactly what's supposed to happen. If you're playing a fighter, you should be able to kill stuff better than anyone. And if that's what you want to do, then play the fighter. If you're playing a rogue and you're like, well, I don't do as much damage as the fighter, then play a fighter. Because as a rogue, you get to do stuff the fighter can't do. Same thing with the wizard cleric. So it frustrates me that that they're making choices because they're trying to balance the classes, which to me was one of the, the fourth edition's biggest problems is that they were too balanced there really was no difference. It was just you, fluff. Yeah, you can't you can't have a Corvette that has 500 horsepower that goes 200 miles an hour. It also has four doors. It also has a trunk. You know, it also has uh, it gets 50 miles to the gallon. You know, you can't have everything in one. If a Corvette is a Corvette, it it has you know it is what it is it has a huge engine with lots of horsepower and it's really fast and that's it so in D next the fighter should be the ultimate killing machine fighter or, or fighting machine he can do things that other classes can't do and the way that they're trying to accomplish this is what they're calling uh martial damage dice or expertise dice i think that's the way the newest version they're called martial damage dice which I don't like. I think that's way too, early, too wordy. It's going to get cut down. But you have a, a trait called combat expertise, which gives you those dice. Originally, they were called combat dice or expertise dice, which I think is still much better. But the reason they're changing it is because they're giving something similar to other classes. So rogues kind of have a similar thing. Monks are going to have a similar thing. So they're trying to differentiate them between Does it them. all involve di- uh, <clears throat> bonuses based around... Um, dice for your class yes um but but they're going to accomplish different things i think in the next packet they're going to be a little bit more diversified right now they're kind of similar so you have maneuvers and then you can use those dice like you spend a one of your die and you can do a maneuver 
or you can just use them for for damage. So here's how the maneuver or the uh, the con- the expertise dice work. As a fighter, you roll initiative, and then it comes to your turn. You roll your attack, and then you roll for damage, and then you have a choice, right? You can use your uh, expertise dice to either... You can add damage to that attack, or you can... Can you use them to accomplish like some sort of feat with the attack? Yes. Uh, like For example, the fighter I'm playing in your game... I use a rapier and a scimitar, and one of my maneuvers is disarm. So I can take weapons away from people that I'm fighting, which gives me an advantage over them. In like 3.5, to do a disarm was very complex. You had to do, uh, first of all, if you're trying to disarm, I think they got an opportunity attack. And then you had to do opposed checks. And then even if you won, I believe that there was a chance that they would still hold on to the weapon. And then there was a chance of like where it went. You know, it could have fallen at their feet. Mm-hmm. It might have got thrown away. In D&D Next, if I hit with my attack, so I roll my D20 normally, I successfully hit, I have the option to take one of my die and say, okay, I'm spending it, you lose your weapon. It's just an automatic thing. You lose your weapon because I have this ability. If you have, like, you're holding, like, a two-handed sword, I have to use both die, or I have to use two because eventually I could have more. So if you're so holding, you like, a dagger... you don't actually roll them... But you're basically just spending. Them. I'm just spending the fact that I. The that cost I, of that maneuver is that you don't get to use them for anything else. Correct. Or you have the option of holding them and then using them defensively, as a parry, so that when you attack me, if you hit and you say you do ten damage, I can roll any number of my combat dice or my martial damage dice and subtract that damage from myself mm-hmm. because I'm using my weapon to defend myself. Um, I think all that's great. Me too. If, I really like. If it. If the only thing I would I would like more options um because i i still see that a lot of the fighters are going to be similar because right now there's very limited uh traits and backgrounds and maneuvers that you know you could roll three or four fighters there's going to be quite a lot of overlap well uh doesn't every edition start out with one and then it gets added and then it gets added yeah it gets added well as far as classes 3.5 has how many hundreds probably of of books right and i'm sure it will expand but I just I would like to see more even early on because I'd like to be able to to uh, have a lot more diversity and that's like Rob's playing a fighter uh, who uses a two-handed katana and I'm playing a fighter who uses two one-handed weapons I took the two weapon background trait feats whatever so that I have a weapon like a rapier and a scimitar and I'm more like a fencer you know a skilled um, artist I guess fencer. Where he's more of the just mm. cut you in half. You thing. have the loopy mustache yes. and you talk with a French accent. I do. <laughs> I've taken the women away. <laughs> All my accents as a DM basically come down to the same thing, but I can do a isn't French that, accent. <laughs> isn't it just like Jared uh, Wang? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we're, I'm doing the Made Men podcast right now, and I think he's been in two episodes. And, and then I just teased. Because he had to leave the game for a while, so he's basically on sabbatical. And I was like, well, <laughs> there's lots of ways to handle when a, when a player leaves what you do with their PC. Our group had an interesting version. <laughs> Stick around next episode and see what happens. So, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty interesting. Uh, but I do, I, I have to say, I really like the fighter. Mm-hmm. I think that it's a, it's a great new idea. Like, it's a great... It, it's a... 
instead of just a little tweak or a little, you know, twist, I think it's a great new addition that kind of revamps the fighter. It's going to be like a com- it's going to be a complete revamp yeah. when you play a D&D next fighter compared to fourth edition or 3.5. I think so. One of the things we talked about I think one of the last couple podcasts was about that sense of accomplishment that you want. Like we did it in a role play situation where I'm I'm the con man and and you presented a situation where I was able to do that. I was successful. It made me feel really good. The same thing I I made a conscious choice to play a character who uses fencing techniques, and one of his main moves is to take your weapon away, to disarm you. Mm-hmm. If that never works, then what's the point? What's the point? And then, and you're just playing the same fighter as yeah. Because eventually, if, I, if it keeps failing, I'm just going to stop trying. I'm just going to start stabbing you. Yeah. And I'm going to use my damage dice. And then combat is uninteresting. It becomes yeah. It comes down to straight hack and slash. We just roll dice, see who wins. So I think you have to build in. You have to trust that the DM is not going to allow the player to just run roughshod over everything and exploit some sort of you know loophole like, oh, if I take their weapons away, I always win. There's a way you could build something in that that doesn't happen or it doesn't become an advantage or maybe I start fighting monks all the time who don't have weapons so it doesn't work. But you can, as a DM can find a way to keep me from um, exploiting that. But if you also allow it to work most of the time, I feel good about the choices I made. I spent backgrounds and feats and stuff to, to do this if it never works then i will just get frustrated like i said mm-hmm. and it'll just become hack and slash so i like the fact that they simplified it and said okay you spend a die it works period yeah because that's one of the most frustrating things about 3.5 is when you would start to do something like that or if you you played like a wrestling character that grappled a lot okay i go to grapple okay well he gets an opposed check okay he hit you you now take damage on your turn and you don't get to grapple yeah that's not fun it may be more tactically realistic, but again, I've said that before. We're not playing a, a tactical miniatures game. That's what fourth edition is. This is a role playing game. I want to be cool. I want to have fun. And if I spend resources and background traits to be good at something, then it should reflect in the game. Otherwise, we're we're doing something different. Um, so right now, very happy with the fighter. I don't play fighters very often. I usually what, play rogues or, or what are wizards. some of the what are the some of some of the different things you can spend. Um, those dice on that a fighter can do well mostly again damage is always an option you can always so do damage you can also right do... now you and rob are third level fighters yes how what you have two uh two dice two skill dice yes. whatever they're called marshall are damage. they d- marshall dice are they d6s yes they're d6s so and the you can choose that... to roll one or both right yes you basically can spend them um, however you want. On so you turn. can roll both and add up to 12 damage to your attack, Correct. or you can spend one, add up to six, and then you still get to keep one that you can use for, for defense. For defense when there was speed. a version of the rules where they came back at the end of your turn, so you could use them for offense and defense every turn, but I think that changed, and now it's once per round, which I actually think makes more sense. I think, I think if you've gone back every time, that, that's almost too powerful. Uh, but but the ones that I chose are spring attack, parry, which I think everybody gets parried. That's the, the and then disarm. So spring attack allows me to basically attack and then get away without provoking an attack of opportunity. Where normally you have to choose to spend it's the fencing, like move in and out. Yeah, like a, it's like a lunge. Uh, oh, <laughs> I have <stabbed> you. Uh, <laughs> So normally you have to spend like, there's like a disengage. It's like a, a, a part of your turn to, to back away without being attacked. 
and it allows me not to have to do that so I can still use my movement to do something else. Um, I don't remember what Rob's are, but I think they're more along the lines of like doing more damage and, and that kind of thing. So again, I'd like to see more of them, but again, right now I really like the fighter. Um, like I said, I don't play fighters very often. I almost always play wizards or rogues, which I am playing this fighter like a rogue, but I still like the fact that I can do the things I want to do. The, the, the mechanics are simple. If I hit, I get to do something. If I miss, I don't. There's no, maybe you do, maybe you don't. He gets a roll and it could stop you in the middle. Like but I don't like I kind of, I kind of think that with the mechanics being so simple, it kind of lets you not be pigeonholed into a certain, like you said, you're playing a fighter, but you're playing a more like a rogue. Whereas if the mechanic, whereas if there were all these boundaries and rules and different mechanics and things that you had that were real strict and you had to, you know, stay in for your fighter, then you would just be a fighter. You'd be playing your fighter by the rules of the fighter and you wouldn't be able to really have a feeling of this fighter who kind of acts like a rogue. Right. I agree with that. Uh, one of the things that I had said early on with when D&D Next first started coming out, I think I mentioned on the podcast, is I want to be able to play a group of like three fighters or four fighters or three rogues or four rogues or, or wizards. Like all play the same class. A, it work so that the game doesn't just break down and you all die instantly. And two, it can be fun because you're all doing this different stuff. And that's part of the reason I kind of wanted Nico to play a fighter because I wanted to have all three of us be fighters and see how different we can be. Because me and Rob are definitely different. Like our characters right now, the way we're playing them, and then even what we're doing in combat are different. I kind of wanted to see if we added a third fighter, would there start to be overlap? So maybe maybe the next time we do something, we might try like all wizards or all fighters, all that kind of thing. Uh, the Barbarian just came out. Uh, I've been doing some reading. Uh, probably too similar to the fighter, some of the stuff I read, and also maybe too powerful. They think the rage mechanic may be giving them, basically they've outshined the fighter in damage output. And that's, again, the fighter should be the fighter for a reason. The barbarian should have limited abilities to supersede like a short period. Like in the two rounds, I will do more damage than the fighter. But then after that, I go back to being... What, what is the main real, real quick before we wrap this up what is the main difference between a barbarian and a fighter that makes it necessary for there to be a separate class that is see that's one of the other things that i when i when, they, when i first instead of out, basically you're a fighter but you cert, take certain traits that make you you're a barbarian right. fighter i personally feel like this is a misstep and I, and I know why they're doing it, and I don't think there's any amount of, you know, voices or audience in the noise in the crowd that's going to change their mind. But I think they should just have four classes, the, the main four, wizard, rogue, cleric, and fighter, and all these other things that people like to play, like the ranger, the bard, the barbarian, the monk, be versions of those. To me, that would be the right way, because you're exactly right. I think a fighter with barbarian traits makes a lot more sense than barbarian is a separate class. Ranger because a bar, isn't a, a barbarian is a fighter. Is a fighter. I mean, when you and break it down. Realistically, it should just be a cultural difference. Mm -hmm. And it should all be role-playing, except for maybe the rage mechanic, or you could do like a spirit totem. You, know, you mm -hmm. could have like a Native American tribe that's sort of barbarian. Because they're not civilized, they look like they're barbarian, not savages. But there really isn't a mechanical difference. Like For me... That's what I thought they were going to do originally, and I was very excited about that. I'm a little disappointed that they're not going that way, but 
I just think there, there's no way that too many people would be upset if there's not a Ranger to play. I would argue that there is. You just have to make it off of the options. But, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I think it would be smarter to have four core classes and everything else be like, a, like the fighter rogue combo is kind of like a Ranger. You know, like the wizard fighter or the wizard rogue is kind of like a bard. I think you could easily make everything fit with just those four core classes. You just need to have a tree where at the top is wizard, fighter, rogue, cleric, right? Right. And then under fighter, you can break into these. Like if you want to, if you want to play, would a ranger be under a fighter? I think a ranger would be like a fighter rogue combo. So that in the tree is in the middle between right. fighter and rogue. So you take a couple fighter traits and you take a couple rogue traits and you have a ranger. Yep. All right, that'll wrap it up for this week. This has been Evan. And Michael. And we'll see you next time. You can give us feedback and comments at our website, dndacademy.com. You can check out previous podcasts at our website and subscribe to future ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a topic, we'd love to hear it. Email your ideas to podcast at dndacademy.com, and you can connect with us on Twitter at dnd underscore academy. As always, thanks for listening, and remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.